0: So great to be with you. I must say, this: I see lots of churches through my job, but this church is an incredible building. You guys are super blessed here. Um, I do have church envy. Um, I am Sam Chriswood. I head up Alpha for the south and east of England. Um, it's probably the largest description you'll ever hear of the south of England. It's from Peterborough down to Land's End, including the Channel Islands. Um, so whoever came up with that as a self obviously didn't do geography at school. Um, I'm married to my beautiful wife Izzy. She sadly can't be here today. Um, we live in Southampton. We go to St. Mary's Church in the city. Um, so we love this city. We, we love um, everything that God's doing in Southampton. Whenever I write a talk or whenever I get asked to, to go and speak somewhere, I always do a run through with Izzy beforehand because she loves me, but she's also the most brutally honest person who would, that would be for me so I did this, I wrote it we sat down, we carved time out an evening to go through it and as I'm reading it I'm like I, I, I can't read, Like it, it's so blurry but I kind of pushed through it kept reading um, and I kind of got to the end and Izzy just kind of started smirking and I was like, it's that bad, she's just laughing at me um, and then she just said, you are wearing my glasses I'm like You let me go the whole way through it reading with your glasses on. So this morning, I made sure I was wearing my own. Everything I do in my job is due to the conviction that I believe that everyone should come to know the transformative love of Jesus. So I want to tell you how that happened to me. It was a Sunday evening. I was stood at the back of church. I was still super awkward about being in a church building. And I'd seen everyone for the last couple of weeks that given it this. Someone described it as giving it Coldplay. I was like, I don't think that's the vibe we're going for. Um, but everyone was doing this, so I was like, okay, I'll give it a go. And as I put my hands up, and as I stopped thinking about everything else that was going on around me, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just began to sob uncontrollably. They weren't happy tears, they weren't sad tears. I was just crying way it made me feel, um, the way I describe it sometimes, is when Peter denied Jesus, it said that he cried bitterly. And I think that's probably how I would describe it. I had denied Jesus in the really low times of my life, but I had denied him in the really amazing times in my life. Let me tell you how I got to that point. So I wasn't raised, I was raised in a Catholic community kind of family. Um, we went to Mass like, on Easter, Christmas, and um, it, wasn't part of my, it wasn't part of my life. It wasn't something I cared about. The only time I said Jesus is when I stubbed my toe. So God didn't mean anything to me. My mum and dad split up when I was two years old, so I grew up in a fatherless home, and it was quite a tricky thing to not have someone to look up to, having a father to look up to. Kind of... Grew up really, like, um, I didn't go without. My mum's amazing. Happy Mother's Day, mums. Shout out to all the mums in here, but my mum is the best. Um, But I just, like, there was something always missing. And then at, uh, I was 15 years old and I lost a friend to suicide. So I'm at 15 years old and I'm starting to wrestle with these questions in life about how do I deal with losing someone? How do I deal with someone who um, took their own life? My dad then became in and out of my life, so I just became this very angry teenager. I was that guy at school that used to punch the lockers and get really rowdy. I just didn't know what to do with my emotions and I didn't really know who I was. But I was good at sport, so my mum I, I, like, pushed me into football and I was alright at football and then I decided to go to university and I went to university to study to be a PE teacher. But I started smoking weed when I was a teenager. So then when I got to uni, my weed smoking habit became a daily occurrence. I was smoking weed every single day. So then when it came to the weekends, it was then other stuff. So I was sniffing cocaine and taking pills and all everything else that you could probably associate with that, I was doing. If you looked at me, I looked like the confident guy. The guy had lots of friends. But inwardly, I was just this really insecure person who just didn't know who he was. Whilst at university, I met a friend and this friend, I thought it was a bit annoying to start with and it's still annoying today, Um, but he just came up to me and started speaking and we worked out that we were both from Southampton. Later on through uni, we became closer friends, he became the coach of the football team I was playing for, so our friendship grew, but he would come out and he wasn't doing drugs, he wasn't sleeping about, he wasn't causing fights, but he was just there. And I got to a point, I was like, bro, what is your deal? He was like, oh, I'm a Christian. I was like, oh, nice. And that is as far as the conversation went for that period of time. I then left university, and um, considering the amount of drugs I was doing, it was probably a good thing that I didn't go into teaching. Um, so I decided to go to London and work in recruitment. And if any of you know anything about recruitment, it's work hard, play hard. So I was working hard, and I was, I was playing hard. Um, as the excess of my life went up, um, so as the finances of my life went up, so did the excess of everything I was doing. So instead of like drugs being for like, like big drugs like cocaine for weekends, if I went to the pub, I'd order a packet crisps and a bag of coke. That was just—it sounds funny, but that is literally what the lifestyle I was living. Outwardly it looked like I was having an amazing time, but inwardly I was falling apart. I moved back to Southampton after a relationship breakdown. And that friend that I went to university with started this football thing called Bridge the Gap Football. It simply is an environment to invite guys from 18 to 30 to play football, building community, and then with the aim to bridge the gap from football to church. I didn't know that at the time. So I went and I played football and I met, like my experience of football is like toxic male masculinity. It was like, I didn't really care about my teammates as long as I played well and got to where I needed to be. This just wasn't that. They cared about me. They remembered what I told them the week before and then would ask me how that meeting went or how that family member was. I was then invited onto an alpha course. And Well, I, I basically, I went out on the night out and broke my arm, which then meant I couldn't play football. And he was like, you've got nothing else to do. Come and try Alpha. So the first week came, and he was like, right, you're coming to Alpha this evening. I was like, no. Second week came, I was like, no. And the third week came, he was like, I'm coming to pick you up. You're coming to Alpha this evening. And he went into the church building and did whatever church team do when they do a church thing. And I sat in the car, and I remember going, if I, see any, if I see any robes, if I see a dog collar, if I see anyone carrying a cross, if I see any incense being flown about, I'll walk home. It's fine. Luckily, there was enough normal people that looked like me that walked into the church that evening. <laughs> and I walked in, and I was I walked through the door on that Wednesday evening in St. Mary's, I just kind of went... I breathed for the first time. And I, I was, as you all know, I walked into church and I was welcomed with a, hey, welcome to St. Mary's, welcome to Alpha. I was like, oh, you're cheery. and then got sent to the next person. I was like, hey, welcome to St. Mary's, welcome to Alpha. I was like, oh, you're really cheery. And then I got taken to my table. And the first week, the first week that I did was, um, why did Jesus die for us? Looking at forgiveness. So I was wrestling with, how can I forgive like my friends, how can I forgive my dad, how can I forgive everybody, how can I forgive myself for everything that I've done wrong to everybody else and it's just this thought provoking thing kept coming and coming over the weeks of Alpha and that led me to being in the, the church on a, Wednesday, on a Sunday evening, the, from that moment I quit drugs, I quit partying, well I still party but just not the same, um, I quit everything that was pulling me backwards and in that moment, I said yes to Jesus and completely surrendered to him. To kind of fast forward a little bit, I quit my job in recruitment and then worked for Compassion UK where I headed up the recruitment for Compassion UK for a season, um, and then, which led me to my role being at Alpha now. But the biggest part of that story is that I met a friend in 2014. And then in say twenty, yeah, 2020, he then baptized me. After this happened to me, I just felt that everyone that needed to know and have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. But let's be honest, it's really not that easy. Sometimes we don't feel like we know what to say or how do we even approach the conversation. So today I want to look at a group of friends who took their place, they took their friend to a place of encounter with Jesus and hopefully we can learn something from it. I want to look at this encounter, and I'd like to notice three things about this group of friends. First of all, they were intentional. Secondly, they were ordinary, and thirdly, they were tenacious. So the verse is Luke 5:17 to 25. So if you want to get your Bible out or you're reading it on your phone, that's what you can be reading from. So verse 17. right in front of Jesus when Jesus saw their faith he said friend your sins are forgiven skip to verse 25 it says immediately he stood up in front of them took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God Sam why are you talking to us about healing story when we're talking about Alpha and inviting people to church I want to focus on the friends in the story. So firstly, they were intentional. Jump straight back into verse 18. These people who had imagined were the paralyzed men's friends and family decided to take their friend to Jesus. They took him to Jesus. They didn't sit and wait for their friend to be asked to be taken to Jesus, nor were they sat there praying, Jesus, Oh God, I pray that today, maybe, just maybe, like only if it's your will, give me the opportunity to t- talk to somebody and, and invite them to know you. But like, like Lord, like only if it's your will, don't like go out of your way to make it happen. I feel like sometimes we can sit in that. It's like we pray it, but do we actually want to do it? I can imagine the conversation might have gone something like this. Hey, you need healing. I know a guy that can not only physically heal you, he will change your life we're taking you to him right now their faith and belief in him meant so much and was so strong that they couldn't sit waiting for Jesus to come to them they had to take their friends to Jesus when we're in close and intimate relationship with Jesus not only does our desire to be more like him grow but so should our desire to see others meet with him. This group of friends were intentional. Secondly, I want to notice this. Some men came carrying a paralysed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Some men. I don't think we're supposed to gloss over this part. Luke hasn't written that the really extroverted evangelists, the people that stand at church on Sunday with a microphone, the people who seem a little bit more confident. Jesus simply wrote, some men. There is no qualification that is needed to bring people to the feet of Jesus, except the belief that he will meet with them. He will change their lives through his transformative love there's also no qualification that the paralyzed man needed to have he was brought to the feet of jesus as he was we read a lot in the bible when jesus meets with those who don't know him they're usually the furthest thing away from being a christian pete Gregg in his book dirty glory writes this when we accept people as they are and get this part where they are they can be changed to something new As they are and where they are just like the paralyzed man a person in physical and spiritual need, he was taken to the feet of the Son of God and he was made into something new by people like you and I taking him there I wasn't the best bloke in the world when I was invited to Jesus when I was brought into Alpha on a Wednesday evening I was someone who was unfaithful. I was someone who was doing drugs. I was somebody who would start a fight in a bar after too many beers because I got bored in an evening. But my friend took me as I was to Jesus. Throughout the Bible and throughout church history, it's ordinary people like you and I that God works through. So they were ordinary. But thirdly, this group of friends were tenacious. As we move to verse 19, when they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd and that everything was going on around them, they did not let it stop them. They did not let the busyness of the world get in the way of their friends meeting with Jesus. What did they do? They ripped off the roof and lowered their friends to the feet of Jesus. And I feel like this is probably the biggest thing that we face when it comes to inviting our friends to know Jesus. They're too busy. They're too busy with work, or like, their family situation is really tough at the minute, that, that they probably don't have time to come to a Wednesday evening. All these things are true. All these things do happen. Our life is busy. We live in a busy world, and people are facing problems. But Jesus can solve that. But ask yourself this. If the love of Jesus and your faith and belief that Jesus died on the cross for us, that he rose again so that we have eternal life by conquering death, is the most important thing in your life, why wouldn't you want others to meet with Jesus? Pause with me for a second. Close your eyes for a second. Think back to that first encounter with Jesus. As you sat at his feet and he told you he loved you and it changed everything. How amazing would it be for your friends and family to experience that? And if you haven't experienced that, I pray today that you get the opportunity to experience it. Guys, you can do this with your friends and family. By inviting them to church, by inviting people to join you on a journey, by doing something like Alpha. Or inviting them to church on a Sunday. Or whatever it is that you do here at Waypoint that you can invite people to. You are inviting them on a journey. You are ripping off the roof and lowering them to the feet of Jesus. And guess what happens when we do this? In verse 20, it reads When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. When Jesus saw their faith, he doesn't say, When Jesus saw the paralyzed man, he says, Their faith. Plural, meaning the friends who carried and lowered him to the feet of Jesus. Luke is reminding us and teaching us here the key part that your invitation plays when you invite your friends and your families to Jesus. When we bring them to the feet of Jesus. You've heard my story, but I want to tell you about a story of um, my friends James and Ellie. Ellie. So James' um, James's, um, James's family go, go to our church, but James wasn't in church at all. James is a young professional, um, making good money, quite successful, but went through a relationship breakdown. And when this relationship breakdown happened, it kind of spiraled everything for him. He started going out more, he started drinking more, he started doing drugs, and he started, his mental health started to decline as well. James was invited to come and play football and I got the opportunity just to hang out with him and football and build this relationship. And then leading up to Alpha, like I run the Alpha at our church, so this is bad, this is like my dirty little secret. I hadn't invited anybody to Alpha by this point. But on that, on that Wednesday day, God just prompted something in my heart to go, invite James to Alpha this evening. So I sent him a text. I simply said, hey bro, Alpha's happening, come and try it. He said, will I be on your table? And I was like, yeah, mate, of course. So he came and he did Alpha. He did the full Alpha and got to the end of it and had a really good time. Didn't become a Christian. I was like, this is cool, this is great. He then came back and did Alpha again and at the end of that Alpha course still hadn't become a Christian. But what James said to me was, "Like, it's probably my favourite analogy I've ever heard. He said, when asked, what, like, who's Jesus to you? And he goes, I think Jesus is a mutual friend. He's like, all my friends talk about him, and they say he's a lovely bloke. And I'm sure one day I'll add him on Facebook. <laughs> I was like, this is fantastic. So James then came to Focus, which is our church festival that we go to. And he came as a volunteer to help out with the football that we were running. And on, I remember it very vividly. He was like volunteering in the youth thing one evening, which I still find mental, that a non-Christian was volunteering to help out. And he came, he came into the big top in the evening, and there'd just been this altar call. And I saw him just kind of like move forward very quickly and prayed with him, and he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. He, the problem was he had a girlfriend. And he, he texted his girlfriend going, I've just become a Christian, is that okay? <laughs> she, they got home and over a couple of weeks Ellie then encountered the Holy Spirit at church on a Sunday last Sunday was it last Sunday last Sunday, James got baptised it's not done on Alpha oh, we had our Alpha day yesterday and James had invited his two friends and one of his friends when we did like the response if you want to give your life to Jesus straight away Hand up. Why do I share this story with you? In 2019, I became a Christian. Jesus changed my life. But that has led to multiplication through James and Ellie, which has then led to multiplication through Alex. I believe that invitation leads to transformation, but that also leads to multiplication. The most exciting part, I believe, of being a Christian is joining in with what the Holy Spirit is doing. In fact, I believe the Holy Spirit takes us from a place of observation to participation. The Holy Spirit takes us from observation to participation. So when we participate in what the Holy Spirit is doing, again, like the friends following the prompting and trusting in their faith that Jesus would heal their friends, We see a life healed, but we see a life transformed. We read in verse 25, immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. He went home praising God. The man was taken to Jesus in need, not knowing him, and left healed praising God when you invite people to church in Alpha you're taking them from a place of pain maybe emptiness maybe just a place of not knowing what this thing called life is all about you're then lowering them from the roof to the feet of Jesus remember he is just as much in church today in Alpha when you're running it in your conversations at work with your friends and your families as he was that day in that building in that building through his spirit. But guess what? There's some good news. This isn't all on your shoulders. It's not your job to convert people. I had to learn that. I went on walks with James and driving there knowing, James is going to become a Christian today, I know it. God was like, mm not in your time, mate. This isn't on your shoulders. I think this is probably... The biggest misconception and the biggest struggle when it comes to inviting our friends to Alpha and church. And actually I think it's the biggest misconception when it comes to evangelism in general. At the end of the Great Commission, Jesus reminds us in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to 20. So the verse is, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. It's this last bit here that I feel like we forget sometimes. And surely I am with you always, to the very ends of the age. And surely I am with you always. Jesus is always with you through his spirit. When you are inviting somebody, he is with you. When you're sharing about your faith, he is with you. In his book on, on, called On Priesthood, Bishop Stephen Cottrell writes this. But it's not the job of the minister to convert people. They will always fail. Conversion is the work of the Holy Spirit. The vocation is to be a storyteller, a witness to God's story in their own lives. To be a messenger, delivering the invitation that comes direct from Christ. To be a living signpost whose own life directs others to the way of Christ. And to trust that the God who converted them will convert others. Word convert can sometimes be quite triggering, but just simply means to transform. Our job is to be a witness of God's love. Our job is to be a messenger and deliver an invitation, then to trust God to meet with them through His Spirit, just as He did us. Just being prompted of. Um, uh, hear me out, being prompted of a TED talk that I was sent around um, everybody loves classical music, they just don't know it yet. Um, I don't listen to classical music. But the, the TED talk, and I, 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 try, I, I went with it, and then there was just one bit of gold that just, uh, basically, the, what the guy says is that everybody, they think of um, classical music quite boring, quite, oh, well, I'm generalizing here, but that's probably my perception. Um, but what changes things is the shiny eyes that we have when we describe things the shiny eyes that people have who love classical music and the way that they describe it that the start of the song starts here and the journey that it goes on and takes people through the way they describe that story and the different elements of that story the shiny eyes as they describe it I think that's a little bit like sharing our faith about Jesus the shiny eyes that we have when we talk about the way that he loves us, the way that he's transformed our life, the way that he's good and the way that he's accessible to you today. As we come into land, here are three things that I was told when I started my job on Alpha. I like to ask church leaders, like, your Alpha's going well, what can I share with churches? And the three things that they said are, our invitation matters, and so today. The way that we give our invitation to church, the way that we give our invitation to Jesus, if it is it like, oh, this is gonna be really awkward. You go intense. You're like, oh, my church are doing something called Wednesday called Alpha. We have food. We watch a video, and then we go home. I mean, I would not go to anything like that. I'd be like, you think you need a doctor? But if our invitation is Simply, hey mate, we're doing this thing called Alpha, come this evening. What is it? We share food, we watch a video, and then we talk about those questions that you normally ask me. There's a difference in that invitation. But that last part, that they matter. People know by the way that you give them an invitation to something that you love, they can see that it really matters for you that those people come with you. The second thing is they can see Jesus in us without knowing it's him. Being a living signpost to Christ. The way that we hope in areas where there's no hope. The way that we love when others wouldn't. The way that we give our time when others wouldn't. The way your language, the words you use, all of these things are living signposts to Christ. And then thirdly, if they say no, it's okay it's not on you it's not on me it's through the spirit that lives will be changed it's scary being invitational it's scary sharing our faith I know that, I've had so many no's I've invited my barber a couple of times and then my old barber because my trim started to get suddenly worse I was like, oh this isn't going down very well But guess what? Jesus says, "Surely I am with you always to the ends of the age." We've done lots of research around invitation at Alpha and church, and you may have heard this before, but 94 percent of people who attend alpha or a church gathering come from a personal invitation. I'm a stats man. One in six people will say yes to doing Alpha. One in six. I mean, that's good odds. I'll take those. We can't rely on banners. We can't rely on Instagram posts. We can't rely on a church website for people to come through the door. We need you to play your part in the evangelism of the nation, being a witness for your life and being a living signpost to Christ. To finish, and if the band would like to start coming up, John Tyson, an American pastor, Um, leads the church in new york said this through our days we should be aware of what the father is doing through his spirit so as i finish speaking i believe that the holy spirit hasn't so if you're able would you like to join me in standing Just as we pause on hearing those stories of life's being transformed, I want to ask you two questions. Who is he putting on your heart and your mind to pick up and carry to the feet of Jesus? That could be starting with church, or that could be starting with Alpha. Who is that name that's coming to mind on your, your heart right now? The second one is, who is the spirit already doing something in that you can join in with? That may be someone who used to be in church. That could be someone who used to know him and now doesn't.